The Journey Into Podcast Patreon is proud to present this Star Trek podcast, where Marshall Latham and Keith Tecklitz go where many Star Trek fans have gone before, talking endlessly about the Star Trek franchise. Please come and join us as we go trekking. Well, hello, everybody. It is time to once again talk Trek. This is the latest episode of Trekkin, where Keith Tecklitz and I, Marshall Latham, talk about Star Trek. Every Star Trek. <laughs> all the series, all the movies. And this time, it's time for another movie. Yes. Star Trek Into Darkness. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I remember thinking that was a very, very strange title. Right? Once once you watch it, it makes a little bit more sense, but still, it it is a little, little odd. Yeah. I mean, I, I get it, <laughs> but uh, I but I was I was excited to watch it. I remember yes. waiting for it to show up. I think that just speaks to my enjoyment of the uh, first Kelvin movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that that one. Everybody got everybody back into Star Trek again and create. I mean, that's why we have new series. That's why we're talking about it. There's video games now and and books galore still. So. Just gave us a whole new world to go on to. It did. Do you play the games? I I have played some of them. I've played the a little bit of the PlayStation. I can't remember what it is. It's Bridge Crew, I think. And that one's pretty fun. It's supposed to be for VR, but you can play it on PlayStation 4 without VR. And oh, okay. Yeah, you, have, you can be the captain or helm or weapons and all those kinds of things and if you've got a group of people that can play together online it's a lot of fun yeah that that would be fun kind of a team effort to run right. the ship yeah yeah it can turn into overcooked every once in a while which i don't know if you've heard of that game it's the cooking game that turns into all of a sudden hell's kitchen where everybody's just yelling at each other oh <laughs> <laughs> so <That's funny. laughs> good communication is key and trusting other people. So. <laughs> Is there a Star Trek equivalent of Leroy Jenkins? <laughs> <laughs> there, There is a Star Trek online game that, that yeah, I, I, there probably is something like Leroy Jenkins going on with it somewhere. <laughs> Leroy right. Jenkins. That, that anniversary just hit. Oh, did it? Of that. Yeah. <laughs> I just saw that like a week or two ago. Red shirt Jenkins or something like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I guess we should settle into the movie. I guess, uh, can you set the stage for where we're at, you know, based on the first movie compared to the original series and whatnot? Right. So it it's kind of like a, a preliminary expedition for the Enterprise with Kirk and his crew going out and doing a little bit of exploration, but it seems like they're they're just trying to figure out if they're ready for the the traditional what we think of as that, that five year mission. Uh right. that 
that Star Trek's known for. And so it's kind of a preliminary test for that. And it's so Kirk's still captain, although he's the youngest captain, you know, in the fleet. And here he is on the flagship of the Federation. And I mean, his crew still doesn't entirely trust him. All of them, at least. Spock kind of does and and everybody else kind of does at the same time. But there's still kind of this question. Like he's he's just never faced loss almost. So Spock and him butt heads a lot and don't quite understand each other. And you, you pick up on that and and Bones makes his sarcastic comments about it and it plays off pretty well. So it's just continuing on, you know, just learning to become the crew that we all know and love. Right. It's it's the same crew, however, things have changed in this timeline because mm-hmm. uh, Kirk's dad was killed when he was born, right. and Vulcan was destroyed by Nero, and so things are a lot the same, but a lot different as well. Right. So, so we... We open up this time, and this is actually my favorite part of the entire movie is this opening scene. And you see a volcano, and it looks like it's about to explode, and you see all these aliens around it. And then you see two figures running away from what appears to be a temple. And it's kind of, it's 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 an homage to that scene in Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark, where he's running away from the natives with that little golden idol that he has as he's running yep. and they're like throwing spears at him and everything and it you, you come to find out it's bones and kirk and they're running as fast as they can trying to get away and get everybody to chase them that was the whole idea was get everybody to follow them because they know that the volcano is about to explode and they're trying to save these people so they stole like the their most holy document their religious you know iconography basically their bible type of thing and ran away with it so everybody would chase them. And as they're running, at one point they stop and they hang the – well, they don't stop, but they quickly hang <laughs> this document up on a tree or something and keep going. So a lot of the ones chasing them stop and you know start kneeling and praying before this ball. A few more are chasing after them. And then they come up to a cliff and they you find out they jump off this cliff and go into the water and then – swim down to the Enterprise because the Enterprise is hiding in an ocean on this planet. And as that all that's going on, Spock, Uhura, and Sulu, I think, is it Sulu that's piloting? Yeah, I think Sulu's in, in there, yeah. With in them. the shuttle? Okay. And so they're, they're piloting in the shuttle over the volcano trying to set off this new scientific volcano freezer that'll stop it from igniting and erupting and destroying this whole civilization. And so as they're trying to do that, things go awry. The shuttle has to veer off and Spock gets cut loose from it. And he lands basically in an active volcano with this item. So everybody else gets back to the Enterprise and they're like, well, we have to save Spock. And Spock's like, no, it violates the Prime Directive. You know, we can't let these people know that we exist. They're not ready for it. And Kirk's like, you just don't get it. We, Of course we're going to. And basically pilots the Enterprise into the volcano in order to beam Spock out. As his scientific freezer of the volcano hits and the eruption starts. So it stops the eruption. 
all the natives see this giant ship of the Enterprise flying up above, you know, and it it basically they they drop the scroll that they were prey to and start drawing this depiction of the Enterprise into the dirt. So obviously the the Prime Directive was broken. It's just this beautiful scene of all these colors though throughout this entire thing. Then we start into the the titles at that point, but it's it just starts off with a bang for sure. Yeah, and these these native people of the planet uh, begin to draw pictures of the Enterprise in the sand and to mm-hmm. worship the Enterprise at this point. Right. So <laughs> <laughs> definitely uh, change their world. Uh, so when they get back to Starfleet headquarters, Kirk falsifies his report. Doesn't include any of the shenanigans that they went up against. But of course, Spock told the truth and reported everything as it happened. And so, of course, that causes friction between Kirk and Spock. Kirk just doesn't understand why Spock would do that. And, you know, vice versa. Spock doesn't understand why Kirk would would falsify the report or whatever. Um, so he, they have to answer, or Kirk mainly has to answer to Pike, Captain Pike, or I guess Admiral Pike, and uh, he gets uh, Kirk ends up getting demoted, is uh, not going to be captain anymore. He's going to be first officer to Pike, who is going to um, take command of the Enterprise. Meanwhile, Spock is being transferred somewhere else or to a different ship. Then we have this little scene where a couple of people, their child is dying. I think their son is dying mm-hmm. and there's no cure for them. And they're very sad about this. Uh, the dad is a Starfleet officer. And every time I watch the show, I'm like, oh, that's Mick. <laughs> I don't know if you're a Doctor Who fan, but uh, oh, yeah. the, guy that pl- the guy that plays the dad was... Uh, Rose Tyler's boyfriend right. on Doctor Who, Mick. <laughs> so I always think think of that when I watch this. Uh, but anyway, uh, he's approached by, I don't believe we know his name at the time, but he's approached by this guy that says, I can cure your child. I know how to do it. But there's some kind of a bargain going on. The child is cured. And then we see Mick <laughs> going into the, to where he works for Starfleet. It ends up being a, oh, the, and this is all in London. And basically he bombs this base in London. And it turns out that it was a, a Section 31, which is kind of the the secret ops of Starfleet. Of course, this causes great chaos and it changes, you know, has repercussions throughout Starfleet. And they have this meeting to get all of the captains together, all the leaders uh, together to to meet about what they're going to do about this, and I think it's about that point that they they mention the name of John Harrison that he's this terrorist or whatever that's been behind that they suspect is behind this. So and then I guess, uh, but Kirk is kind of told not to speak or whatever, or at least he's not expected to from Pike, um, but he can't stop himself and he does start to ask questions at this this summit saying, you know, you know, why, why did they pick that place? Why was it there? You know? And then he started to question, maybe they wanted to get all of these 
leaders of Starfleet together in one room. And then at that point, John Harrison, uh, played by Benedict Cumberbatch, comes in and with a, a small ship and starts shooting up this entire conference center. And people take cover and whatever, but many people are killed. I think Kirk is, is instrumental in taking down the vehicle that John Harrison is in, yes. but he teleports out. But then, of course, in the fray, or Admiral Pike is, is killed. And Spock is mind-melding with him when he dies, and, and he's really affected by that. Right. And uh, so now things are in chaos. Uh, we meet up with uh, Admiral Marcus, who's played by Peter Weller. Or RoboCop. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> and uh, he pretty much reinstates Kirk and Spock and puts them back on the Enterprise. Yes, because a lot of the... It, it wasn't just Pike that got killed. There were several other of the top captains in the area, too. Right, yep. And so as, as Kirk and Spock return to the Enterprise, uh, Marcus gives them special torpedoes. They're supposed to be long-range killers because supposedly they find that that Harrison is on Kronos, <laughs> the Klingons' homeworld, and so they they have these special untested torpedoes that they're going to take. And as they're loading them on the Enterprise, Scotty objects to it and says, I, I don't know what these are. I cannot allow them on. I'm not going to put my name on this. And Kirk, obsessed with getting revenge for Pike, you know, is, is like, well come on, Scotty, you got to do this. And they get into a huge argument. And then all of a sudden, Scotty's like, I will not do it. Uh, I will resign. And so Kirk says, well, I accept your resignation. And so he basically kicks Scotty off the Enterprise and assigns Chekhov as the chief engineer. And so, you know, another instance of, of Kirk just having this thing, this idea that he knows better than everybody else. And Spock and him talk about, are you just there for revenge? And he has a little bit of a conversation with Ahura about it, too. You know, what's what's the real reason? Why are we going there? Are we just there to assassinate somebody? Or is there something more to this? And you see that starting to, to take its toll on Kirk as he, before he wanted just straight-up revenge. And now it's more like he wants justice, which is a highly different thing. <laughs> so as they get close to Kronos... All of a sudden, the Enterprise's warp capabilities become disabled, and they are trying to figure out what's going on with the Enterprise. They're just outside Klingon space, and so Kirk says, well, all right, then we will take a shuttle, and we'll go down, and we'll capture Harrison, and we'll bring him back, and we'll bring him to justice. They they captured uh, some kind of like smuggler shuttle or at one point or another. Right. It's Kirk, Ohura, and a couple... Red shirts that are going down. I don't even know if we learned their names. They're just a couple security guys. And Spock. And Spock, yes. And they, they go down to the Klingon planet, and there's this huge battle between... They they basically get cornered by the Klingons and forced to land, and they're just about to you know pay the price for it. And then all of a sudden, Harrison shows up with like a, a huge Gatling gun-type phaser thing and he starts shooting away and you know the the enterprise crew basically does a little bit against the Klingons, but this guy all by himself is taking them all out several ships and everything 
and it's they you you catch the the whole crew of the Enterprise just staring at him every once in a while, and so they say, you know, we're we're gonna kill you with these special torpedoes if you don't, because Sulu's playing a little bit of a chicken up as the captain of the Enterprise, and he's like, right, yeah, that was pretty cool, yeah. And so he's he's playing chicken with Harrison, you know, tells him, you know, surrender or else we're going to fire these torpedoes at you. And so Harrison says, how many torpedoes do you have? And they're like 70-something. He's like, okay, I surrender. Which confuses everybody at that point because they know he could he just wiped out 30 Klingons. He can easily kill the remaining three to five Starfleet. It's It's not a tough situation at that point. Well, a, a couple couple quick things uh, yeah. on Kronos is that, you know, Uhura does try to go out and talk to the Klingons because she's mm-hmm. the only one that can do that and tries to make peace with them before everything erupts into the battle. Right. And so she was pretty brave to do that. And then when they capture Harrison, Kirk, still mad about Pike being killed, tries to beat up john harrison right and john uh and and he just stands there and takes every punch that kirk can throw at him yeah and he just you know, keeps hitting him in the face hits him all over the place and, and john harrison just takes it and doesn't even doesn't even affect him that well and right until kirk is pretty much wiped out and uh i really wanted him to try the double fisted punch but he never did it <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that that would have been a good one. Yeah, or like one of those from from below, you know, coming up with the two fists or something like that. Yeah. That would have been good. But <laughs> but yeah, Carol Marcus, you're you're right. She shows up yeah. on the Enterprise. Um, I don't know if she's. I can't remember if she stows away or if she comes on she, a shuttle. She gets transferred, but doesn't say who she really is. And there was no real transfer. It was just like some fake fake paperwork until she could get on there. Right, and they were underway, and then we learn that that she's uh, Carol Marcus, the admiral's daughter. Right. So, and so, yeah. Once Harrison's on the Enterprise, he's really fixated fixated on these torpedoes, and he tells Kirk that they should examine them and find out exactly what's inside of them. You know, like he knows something that they don't, right. kind of thing. And even though he's he's played here, or he goes to sick bay at first, I think. So Carol Marcus knows about these torpedoes, and she, her and Doctor McCoy, she requires them because she found I think she found genetic material or something like that in there. So there's this whole suspenseful sequence where they're trying to open up the bomb and not set it off and and die in this situation and but when they do finally get it open they find out there that there are humans chirogenically frozen in these torpedoes i mean they the, the torpedoes have a payload and they will explode if detonated but there's also these uh, people inside of the torpedoes and then we learn <laughs> that john harrison is not john harrison that he is actually Khan Noonien Singh. Oh. And, <laughs> and we know him well because we just, the last movie we talked about on here was Star Trek II. Wrath of Khan. Yep. Yeah, and this was a huge deal. A lot of people suspected that Khan was going to be in this movie. 
mm-hmm. and J.J. Abrams denied it and, you know, a lot of stuff. It's like, no, this is a totally different character. But, of course, right. it actually was Khan, and so a lot of people were, were bothered by that. And I I agree in some point. I'll, we'll talk more about that at the end. Yeah. Unless you have something you want to say about it, but... Uh, no, you're good. We'll let that lie for now, so... Yeah, we can cover that. But, of course, we know who Khan is as the audience, but these characters don't know right. who he is. And so, you know, he's kind of playing these games with them where he's telling them the truth, but he's also withholding information as well. And he has his own agenda going here. Uh, but we learn the story, of course, you know, Khan Union Sung and all these people were genetically engineered uh, way back when, you know, if we go back to the original lore, it was in the 1990s. They were sent off, chirogenically frozen, and sent sent off Earth instead of just being killed um, during the eugenics wars or whatever. But in this timeline, Admiral Marcus went out and sought out Khan and, and his followers, and he woke up Khan from, from his sleep, and Khan helped him develop all these advanced weapons, these torpedoes, and we'll find out there's more technology that was developed with Khan's help. And then this is all because of Nero coming back and Vulcan being destroyed. And so this Admiral Marcus now is like, well, we, we can't just be this scientific explorers. We, we need to be able to take out anything that comes against us. So he's kind of a, a warmonger or whatever. And he right. was trying to set off a war with the Klingons by sending the Enterprise to Kronos and all that kind of stuff. So a lot of stuff is revealed at this point. It's actually kind of interesting in this one. You've got Section 31 kind of leading this charge of because the Vulcan homeworld was destroyed, you got to become military. And then in Picard, it's almost the, the same thing. The, the Romulan homeworld gets destroyed, so you have to become military for Section 31 right. too. It's an interesting parallel there. Yeah. The the only other thing I think you forgot was that Khan gave Kirk a set of coordinates that is somewhere near Jupiter. Oh, right, right. And Kirk calls a, a drunk at the bar, Scotty, <laughs> and says, hey, I need your help. Go check out these coordinates at Jupiter. And Scotty does, and somehow just in his shuttle sneaks into a covert Starfleet facility and gets on a ship. Meanwhile, the Enterprise now has this con problem, and they they resolved everything, so there's not a war with the Klingons at this point. They killed some people, but or the, the Klingons were killed by Harrison, but they don't know that that's you know, Starfleet or the Federation that did that, the Klingons don't. So the Enterprise got repaired enough, they discovered that it, it was some purposeful uh sabotage thank you that was the word i was looking for sabotage (laughs) that screwed up the warp engines and so as they're getting ready to to get going and leave all of a sudden this giant warp signature shows up and they're like okay well let's shields up let's prepare and all of a sudden out of nowhere comes this giant starfleet vessel the uss vengeance and it's admiral marcus and he says, you know, give me Khan. And so Kirk is like, no. 
that you tried to start a war. This is all play. You're not innocent in this. This is your own fault. And he tries to flee with the Enterprise because they were able to get their warp engines repaired enough and try to flee back to Earth to, to expose everything. But the Vengeance is able to catch up and shoot at the Enterprise in warp. And it's a devastating scene because Kirk was proud before where he's never lost a crew member before and all of a sudden the here you are Starfleet firing on their own and it, it rips open poured part of the Enterprise hull and you see these crew members flying out into warp in space obviously right. to, yeah. to death and so it it knocks them out of warp and they're, they're somewhere near in, in our solar system at least but still, you know, not not close enough to get to the rest of Starfleet and let them know what's going on. Um, they're damaged. They're they don't have a whole lot of things that they can do, and so they're trying to figure out how to do it. Out of nowhere, Carol, you know, says, "Hey, I'm your daughter. You can't do this. You can't you can't just take these." And Marcus is just like, "You want to bet?" And transport ports her to vengeance. And then he orders the, the explosion of the, the Enterprise, the destruction of it. And instead of that happening, as these giant cannons are zeroing in on the Enterprise, all of a sudden they lose power and everything stops on the Vengeance. And we find out that it's Mr. Scott. <laughs> right. On the Vengeance who, who did this, infiltrated the ship and was able to do all of that. And so Kirk and goes and gets help from Khan. And says, you know, the enemy of my enemy, and he probably knows a little bit better than I do. And so they they do this crazy space, ship-to-ship space jump, where right. they shoot out of airlock of the Enterprise to try and get in an airlock of the Vengeance with all this yeah. debris from the Enterprise in between them. Yeah. And basically Kirk, you know, said, well, we'll surrender. And so Spock, in the meantime, talks talks to future Spock. Our, our old Spock, Leonard Nimoy, that we know, and says, hey, I, I know that you don't want to tell me anything about your past, but do you know if you've ever had a run-in with Khan? And future Spock says he is the most dangerous person we have ever run into. He cannot be trusted. And so Spock calls to Dr. McCoy and, and anybody else they can and brings them over to the torpedoes and you know that they're going to work on something, but he doesn't say right. what it is yet. And so then Kirk and Khan eventually get on to the Vengeance with Scotty's help and some good timing and a really cool scene that it, it's just kind of crazy, though, too. Just so much that was going on there. Yeah, for sure. It kind of reminded me the way they were doing trajectories and stuff and talking about it and the math and doing all these things. It kind of reminded me of Apollo 13 and and how to get those angles right for re-entry and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Except it was just these guys free falling through space, yeah, between the two ships. Yeah, it was kind of crazy. Yeah. It was and the funniest part about it was like it, right before they're doing it, Kirk's like, "Oh, I've done something like this before." And Khan kind of looks at him, he's like, "Well, I did. It was it was on a mining drill, but and that just to call back to the original movie where it was Kirk and and Sulu that did it. So yeah, so so now they're on the vengeance, and mm-hmm. you know Kirk still doesn't trust Khan. And he tells you know Scott doesn't even Scotty doesn't even know who this guy is, and 
you know, Kirk says, well, we're, we're working together right now, but he, he doesn't really trust them. Eventually they, they do fight their way to the bridge and are able to, to take over the vengeance bridge together. But then as soon as they have the upper hand, Khan, you know, has his own thing and he goes in and he just brutally kills Admiral Marcus right in front of his daughter. It's, it's pretty brutal. So with with Khan in charge, Khan demands that Spock transfer all of his frozen crew that are on the Enterprise to the Vengeance so that he can save his people. Uh, Spock complies with that, and he transfers Kirk and everybody back to the Enterprise, but then he immediately opens fire on the Enterprise and is going to destroy them. However, because Spock was warned... Uh, he removed the people out of the warheads and just sent the warheads over to the vengeance and he detonates those and it you know comes close to destroying the vengeance but it it's severely crippled um however now both of the ships are in danger because they're both caught in earth's gravity and they start being pulled down and and you know they're they're pretty much going to not only get the ships destroyed but do a lot of devastation on the surface of the earth as well right uh in order to get back uh to get the the warp capabilities and just the the ability to get out of earth's gravity they have to go in to the reactor um to to make a change there's been some uh, part of that needs to be adjusted and so kirk enters the radioactive chamber uh, very similar to Spock in the Wrath of Khan. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's much more elaborate here, where he has to climb up on top of this huge mechanism and align these reactors or whatever. Uh, but he's right. able to do that. He's able to get everything back. But he's been exposed to all this radiation, and you know, basically sacrifices himself to to save the Enterprise. And of course, once all of that is done, and and the Enterprise is safe um spock learns what kirk has done and he goes down just before kirk dies again a parallel directly to the wrath of khan there right and we'll talk more about that in a minute too yeah (laughs) (laughs) uh but just just following through with uh with the plot here uh basically khan is able to steer the vengeance to crash into san francisco um, he wasn't able to to save it from crashing, but he was at least able to... Because now his goal now is to destroy Starfleet. And Spock is pretty pissed off now. You know, he's he's right. his emotions are coming to the surface. You know, he's been a little bit on edge since Vulcan was destroyed. And, right. And uh, anyway, so he he now wants to go and, and kill Khan. And so he beams down chases Khan through San Francisco on all these different uh, ships or whatever that are skimming along the surface. And, you know, his his purpose is, is to kill Khan, destroy him. One, because he's dangerous, but also because Kirk has been killed. Right. However, meanwhile, <laughs> back on the Enterprise, McCoy figures out that uh, Khan's blood... You know, has properties in it or whatever that would help 
to heal Kirk and, and save Kirk's life. But they can't really get that message to Spock. So eventually Uhura transports and convinces Spock not to kill Khan, that they need him. And so that that's kind of the, the resolution. At the end, Khan is defeated. They put him back in the cryogenic ch- chamber and, and along with all of his people. And so all of that's been resolved. Uh, and then we do see that Kirk, is a, his life is able to be saved because of Khan's blood. And that's pretty much... Uh, the end of the movie. However, we do learn at the end here that, you know, we we have uh, Kirk uh, speaking at uh, rededication of, of the Enterprise. And then they are going to embark on a five-year mission uh, right. to go explore space, similar to what they were doing in the original series. And that's, that's, that's how we end. What was your general feeling of, about the movie? Well, I JJ Abrams learned his lesson on the lens flares. <laughs> they were not <laughs> nearly he did in this one nearly as much and it it was the better for it. I mean, visually this is a very beautiful movie and a very beautiful Star Trek movie at that. The colors are great. The ship just looks amazing so many times when you see the Enterprise going and flying. It just looks so cool. It's there's there's just a lot of these little little shots of the Enterprise doing these little things and going this way or that way. And it just you can tell that there's some love for the ship and the series and that it's it's a little bit watching it this time. I liked the movie more than I did the first time around. Oh, really? Yes. That's interesting. I think I think that the first time going around and just I remember the. The controversy, is it con, is it not con, what's going on, why do they lie to us, all this kind of stuff, kind of just soured it a little bit for me. Yeah. But the I think overall, this it, it was better than I remember it being. Not to say it, it doesn't have its flaws, because it certainly does. <laughs> but <laughs> I think that the, the path of Kirk and growth of both Kirk and Spock into becoming people that truly can trust and count on one another and Kirk learning how to deal with the no win situation. Almost, you know, people are going to die and you're going to be responsible for them. And how are you going to deal with that? And, you know, all all those things had happened in this where I think they needed to, because otherwise Kirk's ego was just going to be huge. Yeah. He, he, he was humbled a little bit here. Yeah, you know, it's interesting that you say that because I I think I enjoyed this a little bit less (laughs) on this watch. Um, Okay. Not to take anything away from any of the points you made. I I agree that the the movie making is better here. I think the action sequences are a little bit more exciting and, and, uh, you know, choreographed really well. Right. The con thing, I really am not that upset about the con thing. I think I was maybe a little bit in into that like you were, you know, because of everybody else clamoring about it. Um, I don't mind the fact that they used con. I think Benedict Cumberbatch as con was really good. I mean, he's no Ricardo Montalban. You can't replace no. <laughs> that performance that we got. But 
for what it was, you know, for this universe, I, I did like him and, and the way that they used him. It I think it's really stupid that they tried to deceive us with the John Harrison thing. That's kind of right. stupid. But, you know, I, I get it. And, and that part doesn't bother me as much as the the Kirk dying scene, swapping right. that, you know, making him, you know, paralleling that exactly almost with the Wrath of Khan. They really didn't need to do that. They really, I don't think they really should have gone there. They could have done something really different with this encounter with Khan, but they, they got too clever, I think, with the uh, the juxtaposition of, of Khan, or of Kirk, in the re- reaction chamber and dying, and Spock being the one on the other side of the glass. And then they repeat the the screaming of Khan there. And I just, that's always really bothered me, that whole thing. Um, right. And it it bothered me even more this time watching it, I think, because we it wasn't that long ago that we watched The Wrath of Khan. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I understand that. And I think that part of the, the thing is there's, just so much information before a movie's even released nowadays and it didn't used to be like that and so they're trying to keep spoilers from people so they can enjoy them and i mean this this is really the one where after this movie i i've really tried to stop paying attention to anything that was coming out about a movie before i wanted to see it because of this yeah because there was so much about it and uh, i mean it just i think that 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 was a tough thing for the the creators to fight, but I also think that they they certainly could have done it better than just to kind of play the little no, it's not con, and here's the John Harrison trick. But like you said, Benedict Cumberbatch did good. He really was menacing when he was on the screen. It is visually just one of the better looking ones. I think there's there's a lot of good things in this movie. Uh, I get the. <laughs> the the little bit of cheekiness of bringing in the tribbles and combining it with Khan's blood, and that's what can regenerate things. What? What? But yeah, there's 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 been a lot made of that too, right? Like, yeah, well, that solves all the problems in Starfleet. Everybody should be superhuman now and can't die, right? They, they you know, they could just uh, replicate that that blood or whatever, and. <laughs> so I think that's pretty funny when people make fun of that, but it doesn't get under my skin very much. You know, I just think that, no. that's kind of a funny observation. The other thing that kind of bothered me about this movie was how glib Kirk is, especially at the beginning of this episode. Mm-hmm. Like if you really think about it, would William Shatner, Kirk bald face lie about what they did on the planet with the volcano and, and revealing the Enterprise and all that. I don't think he would have. I, I think, you know, the Chris Pine version was a little bit too cavalier. Agreed. I, I think that was a problem with uh, characterization there. They didn't understand. Kirk wasn't just a, a smart ass. You know, he, he, he did honor Starfleet and all that. And yeah, yes. he did bend the rules and he did, you know, he was a cowboy and everything, but... At the same time, I don't think he would have been that disrespectful to bald-faced lie about everything that happened. So, Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, Kirk had, had some pretty strong ethics and morals, and 
yeah, the one time he cheated was against something that arguably you could say was cheating in the first place. So, right. Yeah. The Kobayashi yeah. Maru, but that's its own thing. I, I something some things that other people bring up too is the the cheesecake moment when we get a flash of Carol Marcus changing her clothes, which oh, is unnecessary. Yeah. Absolutely unnecessary. The only reason they did that was for the trailer, right? Yeah. So. <laughs> flash a hot body for for two seconds, and it it didn't add anything to it. There was yeah, and then I was, it was interesting to watch the scene where they go down to Kronos because I remember kind of rolling my eyes along with a lot of other people when the only character development that Uhura had was that she was mad at her boyfriend, right? Because. Because her and Spock have that little spat or whatever as they're going yeah. down to Kronos. And I agree with that, but it didn't bother me as much this time as it as it had previously. I don't know why, but... Right. Maybe because it wasn't very long or whatever, but... Yeah. I mean, she does come back and is the hero at the end, saving... Stopping... Well, saving Spock and then stopping him from killing Khan so that Kirk could be saved, too. So, I mean, she did... She played a pretty big part in that. Yep. But, but yeah, I mean, there's there wasn't a whole lot of other things that she did. But, I mean, hell, Chekhov and Sulu were virtually non-existent in this movie, it felt like. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you know, Chekhov, when he was forced to be the engineer, you know, had had a little bit of stuff going on there. But, uh, yeah, not as much. Oh, but I do, I do have to give... I love Simon Pegg, man. He oh yeah, <laughs> it, every scene with him in it is is great. Um, as he does a great Scotty, and especially in the bar scene when he's there with his little green buddy or whatever, and Spock's calling him up or uh, Kirk's calling him up, right? And uh, I, I, yeah, he does a great job. He he really is an asset, I guess, to to these Kelvin movies for sure. Right? Yeah, ev- everybody on the crew is is well done. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Again, uh, Carl Urban as McCoy mm-hmm. does an awesome job, and yeah, yep, good stuff. And I, 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 I guess one more. I really did like the uh, Admiral Marcus angle of this. You know, yeah, it, it's like the what if scenario. What else changed because of the change in the timeline of Nemo? No, not Nemo. What's it? Nero coming back and you know causing all this destruction this this just escalates it even more with with Marcos or Marcus creating you know escalating the section 31 and and escalating the military might of of the federation and stuff yeah i i, I really did like that angle of it yes all right <laughs> that's probably enough uh, agreed <laughs> <laughs> The best thing about this movie is it sets up the next movie, which is one of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think this is in my opinion probably the weakest of the three Kelvin movies. Mm-hmm. But it's not it's not a disaster. It, it's still pretty good. No. But and I guess everybody will just have to wait until we get to Star Trek Beyond because we still have some series to catch up with and I think the next movie that we'll do will be The Search for Spock. So all right. Stay tuned for that, kids. 
but yeah, hey, if if you are inter- or if you have opinions about this movie or any of the other Star Trek series that we talk about, uh, you can reach out to us at journeyintopodcast at gmail.com. Send in a question, send in your comments, and uh, I think you can also call the voicemail line at 77 j into 107 We can play your voicemail on the air if you like. And that'd be, that'd be a lot of fun to answer people's questions or respond to their comments, that kind of stuff. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can head over to patreon.com slash journey into and uh, take a look at the extra things that are over there and see how much you'd like to support this podcast. It's worth it. Keith is a supporter of this podcast, not only financially, but morally, and he helps me out with this uh, trekking podcast. And I appreciate all all your uh, contributions to the podcast, Keith. Always, always. You put out great <laughs> content, and I love it all. Just just fortunate enough to be part of it. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. Uh, but yeah, we'll be back uh, in, in 2024. Well, I don't know when this is going to come out. This will probably come out in 2024. So, Happy New Year, everybody. Yes. We'll be coming at you soon with, with more episodes. But until then, live long and prosper, Keith. Peace and long life, Marshall. Good night. Good night. The Trekkin' Podcast is produced under Creative Commons Attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. This means that you can share it with whoever you would like, but please do not change it or sell it, and give credit to the source of the audio. (laughs) 